Hi, I'm Brett Sharpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for December is sponsored by Igloo. Igloo is your digital workplace. That means you can give updates, have discussions, and share files with your team all in one place. Sign up and get started at igloosoftware.com slash 5x5. Welcome to episode 24. I'm joined this week by Jesse Grosjean of Hog Bay Software. Hi, Jesse. Hi. And uh, Jesse is responsible for some uh, classic nerd plain text type of apps. And I shouldn't say they're just for nerds, but they're highly appealing to nerds. We're talking about write room and task paper and more recently folding text. And uh, uh, you had one of the original sync services, uh, simple text. Yep. And you have iPhone apps where uh, task paper for iOS and uh, plain text, which is kind of a, eh, would you call it a, a write room or is it more of its own notes kind of app? It's it's definitely um, a stripped down write room. But with, basically uh, it's exactly the same as write room, but write room has, is sort of the buy up. Plain text is the free model. Write room is for pay. And then with, it has some more features. There you go. Um. So my first question for you is, what is it that you love about plain text that makes you write all of your applications pretty much to work with plain text? Yeah, um, I think it's a couple of things. One, um, when I first started programming after college, I was working on... uh, Zooey interfaces, which at the University of Maryland, which is, um, it's sort of like zooming user interfaces is what they're called. And now they're sort of everywhere, but they're, um, see if I can explain this better. It's sort of 2D, two-dimensional where you, it's like the finder desktop, except for if you could zoom in infinitely and what you, what you could do in that kind of thing. And it's really, it was really neat and I had lots of fun, but in the end it sort of was frustrating because you would design all these fancy systems, but then in the end, I always found out that my fancy idea organizer, I could actually do it better if I just wrote it in a plain text file. (laughs) And so that sort of started me off and then I've sort of created a niche and it's just, um, it's what I do now. And it's sort of, it's nice to have some constraints and this provides some constraints. And I just think that, Obviously, it's not good for everything, but there's a whole lot of space to work in if you just think of like text on a computer as sort of, it seems to me it's the most natural medium. You can sort of represent ideas and thoughts really, you know, really succinctly, and then um, computers can work really easily with text. That's sort of the, the most easy way to work with stuff. And so definitely, I figure it's, it's my little box and I can go for it for many years, I would think. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice grid because it limits it keeps you from fiddling with uh, bold and, and italics and colors and font sizes, and it's just it's perfect for getting those ideas out there. But it's also infinitely flexible. Right. I mean, like even if you stripped away all the applications, you had nothing but you know age old Unix tools available. You could search all your files. You can modify them, do uh, mass search and replace. You can do all kinds of stuff with plain text that you'll never be able to do with a rich text file. Yep. I could talk about this part right here for hours. And for me, even like plain text is important for portability and stuff, but I'm, 
I'm not sure. I, for me, I think text is more important than plain. So uh, rich text, I don't have it in any of my recent applications, but I don't think that's so terrible. I, I guess for the storage and for portability and all that, that's plain text is obviously superior. But um, I guess what I'm most interested in is the user interface, like how you organize your lists or your ideas and things like that. And I could imagine pretty neat interfaces that had some rich test text aspects. But what I really like is having just a uniform interface if I can move my cursor around and type instead of having, you know, you select instead of having uh, table views and things like that. Sure. Um, That gets into uh, kind of my next question, though, is uh, you've concentrated a lot over the years on extensibility and allowing users to be able to manipulate and do things with your app inside and outside of your app which I think plain text really facilitates. Um, but I'm thinking like along the lines of you, you go back to write room and uh, you could hack a lot of that and you can edit those files, you know, anywhere. And then you had task paper, which became actually, I don't know if it was in that order, but it, it was. Yeah. Okay. Then you, that the format that you use for task paper became, it's a standard, um, it's outlived just about every other plain text task format. And it's just a very simple format where you put a dash before a task. And if you have a line that doesn't start with a dash and ends with a colon, it's a project. And then you can end that and make subtasks and everything. And everything's just tabs and dashes and words. You can add tags to it. And that's about as complicated as it gets within, within um, task paper itself. You have a, an excellent interface that you can click on the dash part and it'll check it off. You can uh, highlight your tags and everything. And it, it provides a level on top of the plain text that actually makes it feel like rich text. But that yeah. file can still, you know, you can still sync it with Git over to your other project and anyone can open that up in a text editor and not ruin it. Right. Yep. So would you say that that's, that's a driving factor in your use of plain text? Yeah, I mean, that's, um, I guess, most importantly, what I like is the part where you have the plain text, but then you put an interface on top of it. Yeah. That's that's what really interests me. And using the fact that it is plain text and can go over to the text editor is also really nice. And I, I guess I sort of see that as two parts. There's one, which is the actual interface. And if I'd say that it doesn't. I could see where rich text would work, but then there's the ecosystem. And for that, obviously plain text is much, much superior. Um, yeah. Sounds like a convincing argument to me. Yeah. And, and I don't, I can't ever imagine that I would, I don't have any plans to do a rich text application, but just sort of, um, just when I think of the design side of the applications, what interests me most is characters on the screen and moving about them with a uniform interface of the arrow keys and typing to insert more characters uh, as opposed to having it have to be plain text. But for the whole of my applications, yeah, plain text is pretty central. Sure. And, and, and I get what you're saying because your applications, all of them pretty much strive to add rich text uh, convenience to plain text without, without affecting the text. So I think it's, um, I think it's awesome. 
Cool. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about uh, where that's gone recently in uh, in a little bit. And I want to ask, um, how do you feel? Right Room was, as far as I know, the very first quote unquote distraction free editor. It, it, was, it was the first um, where that was the sole feature. Yeah. Right. Right. But, I mean, we've always had, you know, Vim, but. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, I mean, I, I think there is a distinction in that we've always had Vim, but I'm not sure Vim knew what it was because right. it was the only option. And then there was, I, I think, oh, shoot, the um, Ulysses. Yeah. Well, I think they sort of have the first full screen where, where they all of a sudden added Vim back as a feature. But they had it tied to a pretty big tool. And actually, the story, maybe I'll go into just the story of Write Room, is that before Write Room, I had some other apps. One was called Mori, which was a, um, a notebook program, kind of like maybe Evernote, or it, it was like lots of files. You'd have an outline, but instead of each node in the outline was a text file, and you could search it and do things like that. Um, and one feature that people wanted was a full screen mode like Ulysses. And I was getting sick of Mori because I found out that I just used a text file instead of using Mori. And so <laughs> I didn't want to add another feature to it. So I made Writeroom as just a separate, it was a, an application that was all one feature. And so it was sort of, there wasn't any great insight when I created Writeroom other than I didn't want to add it to my program, but it did hit a nerve and I'm happy I did. So, Okay, and it spawned uh, over over the following years um, uh, a slew of distraction-free editors that followed its same very simple philosophy. Yep. How, how do you feel like? Uh, do you have like Godfather status, or are you are you uh, do you care that this happened? Is it are you leading a movement, or is it just a good idea that spawned? I don't. I, don't, I think I'm, I'm not leading a movement for sure. Um, I think it was a good idea that spawned and, um, I sort of, uh, at various times, like, you know, when right now, right room, isn't really what I focus on or think about very much when it was more, I, I definitely sort of am competitive. I'm like, Oh man, another one came along and that was a little disappointing. But now from standing back, I'm like, Oh, it's, it's really cool that the program took off and has lots of different implementations. That's uh, that's pretty much the exact answer I expected. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I don't think uh, I don't think anyone really feels like they could own this uh, sudden popularity of plain text. But if anyone gets credit for starting that editor, uh, uh, or a wave of of editors, I would I would give it to you. Yep. Well, thank you. Yay. <laughs> okay. So. Um, what this is back to task paper for a second. What the origins of this the 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 task paper format that you parse for task paper um, did that did that originate with you? Yep, it, it, task paper. So previous to write room, I had um, sort of I had a timer application called it was renamed number of time, but clockwork. I think write room was like two thousand five or two thousand six. I think about two thousand five. So. I'd been working for five years on other apps, um, which were sort of an an image editor, a notebook program and a timer. And I, you know, it was sort of, they each was fun. I didn't really use any of them myself. I sort of would always end up using just text edit for whatever I was doing. 
but I worked on them and it was fun. And, but I, each one was a big project and especially the notebook, which was my main program was, you know, very complicated and had all kinds of features and all kinds of bugs and sort of all kinds of users. And it was just constant churning. Sure. Um, and then I wrote write room in a week or something with the first version of it and released it. And it got like 10 times. It wasn't, it was for free. I think when I first released it, but people loved it much more than this program that I'd been working on for years. And so that was sort of a little, aha, hmm, I should think about this a little bit. And you should and charge so, money for it. Yeah, yeah, charge <laughs> money. And then, but once I was done with Write Room, still the idea, it, it sort of led me to, wait, all you ever use, myself, was text edit. Maybe there's, instead of trying to create these big programs like people expect, create these smaller programs. Um, I actually had, it just about that time, I had been reading marketing books too. And uh, usually I just read about the first three pages of any book and then I start reading the next book. But the one thing I got from that is you're supposed to position yourself versus something else. And so I sort of think of after the fact, all right, so there's Microsoft Word and there's Write Room. Okay, for my next app, let's see how I would, I want to position it in a similar way. So I think OmniFocus was just coming out when task paper was in development and OmniFocus is really neat. But for someone like me, it's just way too much. And I just couldn't believe I was like, all right, let me write my grocery list with three items. And it was like just a nightmare. Um, you know, when's it due or not? Do I want it to be a repeat and stuff? And so I was always positioning task paper in my mind as, as if OmniFocus was the full featured popular app, like Microsoft word, Task paper would be the alternative, like right room, like you know, the plain text, hardly any feature kind of app. Cool. Well, I still use task paper to this day, um, and I use OmniFocus. Do you yeah. happen, do you happen to remember what marketing book you were reading at the time? Just well, curious. that was it, it. Was actually on my sh- it, the twenty two immutable laws yes. of marketing. Okay, yep. that I, was uh, going to be my fourth suggestion. It didn't quite. <laughs> quite <that. laughs> I um I I in a past life I did a lot of marketing. Oh, really? Uh, as a job. And uh, that book was definitely on my bookshelf. I believe okay. there was one also, I'm trying to remember, there's a classic one. I think it was called Position, which yes. I thought might I be what you were talking about. I actually have that one, too. Oh, oh you've no. done your research. Yep, I read the, the 22 one. I actually read more. I think I read pretty much all of it. But the other one I didn't quite read. I really like small, thin books that sort of define a category. I'm not sure if it really does, but I always like ones like that. Well, that's part of marketing. Like yeah. oh. pick up, pick a very specific point and, and drill it. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of pages to do that. So, um, you've been coding then, uh, uh like for Mac for maybe, can I say 10 years? Yeah. Or yes, pretty much since OS X beta, which okay. was, yeah. So 12 years or whatever it was. I don't know. What's your, um, What's your current favorite language to work in? Um, well, the one I'm working in all the time now is JavaScript. I'm not sure if it's quite my favorite or my. I, I like I like it, especially for the having the the DOM and yeah. the whole environment. Are you you're specifically working in Node, right? Um, nope, not Node. Um, just just the the browser. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. I dissected folding text at some point and was pretty convinced that it was of node origin. Yeah, no, it, um, I mean, folding text is a little bit weird in that 
a lot of stuff is bridged back to native, mm-hmm. but not not really um not the logic, but you know, just for file saving and stuff like that. Wow. But um, it's really cool. Like I just load it into a web view. Yeah, and that's it. I love that. It's very inspiring. I have lots of ideas, but I'm not going to steal yours. I promise. Oh, what? Hey, <laughs> I, I want I want people to folding text. It needs to be. I'm trying to make it a platform. I don't know. That's really hard, and I don't know if I'll ever get there completely. But well, let's take a yeah. break for a sponsor and come back because I do. I want to spend some time talking about folding text. Sure. <clears throat> hey, since I have to insert these ads in post this week anyway, I figured I'd do them up special. MailChimp.com, easy email newsletters. MailChimp helps you design email newsletters, share them on social networks, integrate with services you already use, and track your results. It's your own personal publishing platform. They help you customize your sign-up form to match your brand so you can share it on your website and integrate it into your Facebook page. You can even collect sign-ups from an iPad or a laptop. Importing an existing list into MailChimp is a snap, no matter how it's formatted, and you can personalize everything your subscribers see, from sign-up forms to confirmation emails. There's never been a better time to try MailChimp. You can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers per month forever. Just visit MailChimp.com slash 5x5 to learn more. Okay, so... um you recently released folding text and I, I immediately, uh, when I first tried the beta decided that you were pretty much, um, like a mad science, like insane genius. <laughs> um, just because there are so many details in it that aren't necessarily, it's like somebody, um, just decided they were going to make every cool under the surface feature that they wanted to, and not really pay attention to market demand, which is, I, I, I completely appreciate. That's not like, um, any kind of, uh, cut on one, what you did. Right. It's actually, it's awesome. <laughs> um, like it really felt like someone crafted just like the ultimate nerd machine. So what was the initial motivation behind folding text? Um, well, it's still basically, let me go back one second to task paper the way. So I created right room and people like that. And I was like, all right, I got to, I have a basic idea here. The, the basic idea is that, um, wow, you can represent text is the best medium for computers. And that's arguable. Who knows? But text is great. You could do a lot of things. I could imagine a whole career of just doing things with text and right room was sort of the base. And the key was, it becomes a lot more powerful when you get all the other stuff out of the way. Cause obviously all applications are full of text, but they don't all feel like you can change and they, they don't all feel flexible like text. Right. So with task paper, I thought, okay, well, how do I make a to-do list with just text? So I started just doing my to-do lists in Writeroom and making up a format that looked good to me without any other extra features. And then over time, just with myself, I started adding little features that would make it easier to manage a to-do list in a text file. And so then that's where task paper came from. I extracted those features into a new application. Um, and then I started thinking the, the big problem with text is that 
after a while you get too much of it and you need some way to filter it. And that's where I think test paper one didn't, couldn't do any of that, but then test paper two, um, sort of made the big, the big break, which folding text just ex- extends upon, which is all right. The, you have text in the visual interface, but behind the scenes, it needs to be some structure that you can manipulate and filter and do things like that. And, um, that's what folding text is. It's just that idea extended where task paper was a very limited sort of vocabulary of the, the, the behind the scenes stuff. It had a tree of objects and you could have a project object and a note object and a task object and then tags. And that was pretty much the whole vocabulary of the model. Um, folding text said, well, you have this system where you have plain text and then structure and you're using it to solve a to-do list. What other problems can you use it to solve? And let's make a more generic platform. So to solve different things, if, if that made sort of sense. So it, it does. Um, so would you call uh, folding text a sequel, uh, like an evolution of, of task paper then? Yeah, definitely. It, it's a generalization of it, I would say. Okay. So, I'm playing with the current dev build and uh, well, let's go back. You added like an entire uh, like X path selector uh, kind of syntax and you can, you can now query it via like HTTP JSON style queries and via Apple script um, like just regular X path stuff. Yes. And you put in a command line in the development version, which is crazy. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's crazy. yeah. 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 It's definitely, um, ho- hopefully it will all pull together. Like I, a lot of these things, it, it's sort of fun. Like I, I definitely like thinking, mm, how will I do this the best way? I think probably even folding text users who are definitely, I would say nerdier types, like you said, I bet, you know, a very small percentage of them will use the details of all these things, but they're fun to have. And it's, and there's, when you, when you get all of a sudden some user who is really interested and and can work with stuff, then they can create stuff for other users. So that's the idea anyway. Yeah. And what I love about it is you don't, you don't see any of that on the surface. It's another application with zero buttons and, uh, and, and you can just type and it'll like, it'll highlight your markdown as you type, but you don't have to know a single shortcut. You don't have to realize that there's any kind of, like timer features built in command lines. Uh, and you could use other people's scripts. Like this is simple enough for anybody, but just hyper extensible. And you're, you're like there, a lot of these, um, take Byword for example, they're very, very, uh, strict and, and, uh, thoughtful about what features they put in. And it's very intentional and, um, and extending it is like a laborious uh, thought process. And it feels like you just went honey badger on that. And you just, <laughs> you just like, that would be cool. What's the smartest, most uh, f- future proof, extensible way to do it. And then you just put it in and that's. Yeah. And I think, I think the way I think about the application more than, which is definitely a somewhat of a minus, but it makes for applications sort of very interesting anyway, is I'm much more, interested in the underlying system and how all the parts sort of, I like the idea of a system of a few parts that can be put together in many different ways. 
and that almost I think about that more than actually using it a lot of the time. I have to say, <laughs> if that so so I um, like probably BioWord. I, I don't actually I, I've pl- played with it, but I don't know it too much. But I I don't really add. Well, hmm. here's one feature right now that maybe describes how I think about the app, like word count. A lot of people would like word count for folding text. And as I would too, it seems like it makes a lot of sense, but it's pretty hard. I don't want to just put a word count at the bottom of the screen because it's meant for a platform for for timers and lots of stuff. And I don't want to add a menu item that says word count because it's, it's sort of it's word counts for writing, but folding text is a general platform for working with text. I would I would agree. Plus a word count and folding text where you use tags and a ton of like right. uh, symbols and stuff. Word count Although actually it's gets easy, pretty. If you could just count the stuff that wasn't syntax. Yeah, that's true. That and and you've already kind of got uh, like you can exclude everything that you would want to uh, not count already with the uh, the built-in query syntax. So. Yeah. yeah. So the the counting itself, but it's just trying to think of how to interface add a feature a feature like that without adding a special case. So, so I, 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 right now I'm really trying to avoid special cases. I want to keep it a generic platform. And so I think there's lots of there is ways to add word count, but it's just sort of that's the kind of thing where uh, for it depends on the user. Like I think a lot of people just use folding text as an alternative to by word. It's just another Markdown editor, and so in that context it makes a lot of sense to have word count but in the context where you're using it as a to-do list or timer it doesn't make sense to have a word count feature so um so it's kind of neat thinking so basically about. what you're saying is that you're you you are very thoughtful about what features you put in what interface elements you end up putting in right but i, I guess i'm more so the problem with word count is i don't know how it fits into the underlying system yet and it, and that's that's, that's smart and that's what i'm most interested in Exactly. So if if you if you just said, "Oh, yeah, I can do a word count," you threw it on there, that it would it would it would be rather thoughtless. That would be crazy, not like respectably nerd insane. So right, I'm with yep. you on that. <laughs> um. So what's your uh your level of support? Uh, you have forums and everything. Do you do you get a lot of n- people using your application that maybe aren't what the demographic that you originally expected? Um, folding text is definitely the demographic I expected. And it's it, basically folding text. We released it um, well in beta over the summer, but that doesn't grab a lot of people. Um, you know, that was just very much nerdy people. And then, uh, or geeky people. We decided that we folding text is geeky, whereas uh, you know Emacs is nerdy. <laughs> okay, from our marketing book, right? Um, anyway, and then folding text. We released it at a discount, and it got a whole bunch of sales. And then we put the price back up to twenty five dollars, maybe, and that clamped them off pretty tight. And so now we're getting a, a steady trickle, but. Um, Sort of, we basically right now we have a user base and it's growing slowly, but mostly what we're doing is trying to keep it as is and just work on the application and then go for another grab later. Um, so what I was saying is that no, right right now we're getting pretty much the kind of user who we would expect. It's not just anybody who's buying it. That's um, that's probably uh, at this point in its development a good thing, right? 
Yeah, I think so. Cause it's, it's definitely a work in progress. There's, there's a lot of, um, the roadmap isn't yet filled for sure. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to watch it develop. I'm having fun. Uh, I'm at, I'm at a point where my scripts are basically experiments right now, just to see what I can do. I haven't made anything terribly useful yet, but the possibilities are, uh, they keep me up at night. So I think the neat for me, the, I hate Apple script. I can't ever make it work. Although I make all my applications scriptable, but I'm pretty excited to finally, hopefully in this next release, get a plugin API where you can write your scripts in JavaScript and they'll be run within the context of the application. Cause it just feels like Apple script is always a little bit, there's a delay on the startup and stuff. And uh, I think once you can do that, you won't be able to, talking with other applications, of course, wouldn't be possible. Well, have Just you, the, I'm sorry, have you looked at uh, Gus Mueller's JS talk? I definitely have. Like, and, it's almost a bridge. It's almost a JavaScript bridge to the Cocoa system. Right. And I, I can't remember. I never quite got it. I, I mean, I, I did get it. But he hasn't I never, documented it very well. Yeah, and I, I did. I mean, I, I, right now I don't have it in my head. I did get it, but in the end, um, I think that it added more complication than I need because my internals are Apple Script. All I want to do is load. Like I'm all Apple Script throughout. So instead of needing to do a bridge. For my plugins, anyway, it makes a lot more sense for me just to load them up and let them talk directly to the. I don't need any bridge in between, really. Um, but as a replacement for Apple Script, it makes sense. But I just sort of thought that um, more people know it. I might as well do this. I, in the small little niche that is Apple Script, I think it's it's probably more popular and more people know it than know JS Talk. Yeah, that, well, that's that's a definite. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll talk to you more about this offline uh, or okay, off the yeah. podcast. But yeah, I definitely have some uh, questions and ideas regarding that. Cool. Um, I'm going to take another sponsor break, and then we're going to come back for our top three picks. All right, sounds good. Our next sponsor is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any creative project. You can choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages, whatever fits your needs. It's more affordable than you think, too, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. To sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com. No credit card needed. When you find the images you lack and decide to purchase, use offer code DANSENTME12 and get 30% off of any package. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> okay, so top three picks. Um, do you want to go first, Jesse? Um, sure. Let me. I have one good one to start off, and then, <laughs> then they go downhill quickly after that. But um, the one that I like right now is uh, Scapple, which is a beta program from Literate and Latte, the Scrivener guy. Yeah guys now people um and it's a a brainstorming kind of tool where you what do you call them like it's like curio 
It's almost a mind map, but it's more of a concept map. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know which the difference (laughs) between them, but what what I, for, for me, what it is, and it's actually, it's on, I I had actually talked with them about it a while back about building a similar app with them. Um, but time doesn't work. And what I would really like perfectly for me would be an app like text edit, except for, I can type non-linearly like somewhere else. Right. And this is somewhat close to, it's the closest thing to that so far, although I would still prefer an app like where I could just start typing anywhere on the screen and it would match it. There's, there's details to work out. I wouldn't, there's some things to work out, but this is the closest thing yet. And I, I like it just cause it's text and I don't, it doesn't have a million options. Um, and, for times when I'm trying to think of ideas, usually I think in a text file, but sometimes it's useful to say, but put this over here. It's a separate thought. And so I like that a lot. Yeah, I get that. Like if you, if you were able to type anywhere in a plain text file, you like, you'd run into all the complications of overlapping and needing to move chunks around and everything. And by the time you solve them all, wouldn't you pretty much have like Scapel or even Curio? Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking about this for quite a while. It's sort of it's a it, this is a separate project, which it's it's in one of my files where <laughs> I have a program that does it, very much. It's like overwrite mode in visual appearance. The implementation isn't the same, but um, it's not going to be done. And I try to avoid it since I should be <laughs> unfolding text. And so Scapel is the closest thing to it now, and that's why. That's why I use Scapple. Mine is, doesn't work. Is Scapple out of beta now? I don't think. I don't really know. But not, it's, it not is public. Version. I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll it's link definitely that. public. Cool. Yeah, I definitely. I had fun with it. I haven't. Uh, it hasn't become a part of my daily life yet, but it is really cool. Okay, so my first pick is, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing this correctly, but it's Pochade. P O C H A D E. It's a menu bar color picker that um, when you pop it down, and you can use a hotkey, you can pick up a magnifying glass or you can use sliders just like in Apple's color picker. And um, then you can create kind of libraries that are more um, extensive or at least more organized than the little swatch palette at the bottom of Apple's color picker. And then you can set, there are two different chunks up in the top where you can uh, you can see the hex and you can see the RGB values and then you can you can define what copies to your clipboard when you click either one of those so you can get uh, NS colors you can get RGB and RGBA values you can get hex values and um, it's that I mean that's the list of its features right there but it's extremely uh, it's handy because it's always there I don't have to pop up anything other than just reach up to my menu bar adjust the color drop it into my file and I'm good to go. So that's, I realized today that I've been using that pretty much daily for a while now. And, uh, I should probably mention it. <laughs> Sounds nice. I'd need to double check. Yeah. You can do NS color device and calibrated CG color ref for all the people that know what that means. And then, um, a good, lot of good, uh, HTML values, CSS. Okay. That was my number one. All right. Well, now we run into the problem with me, which is I pretty much only use Xcode. And actually, I'm using, uh, what's it called? Um, Sublime Text, but I think everybody knows about that. Yeah, I think, yep. yeah, we've done that one. 
Yep. So those are the two apps I use 99.9% of the time in my web browser. And okay, wait, I wait, wait, wait. hard time finding number two. Do you, before you do number two, do you have, do you have a favorite sublime text package? Um, I, I, I did choose one when it, looks, it makes everything look like text me. There's like one that makes it look more Mac like, like, is that, Oh, it's you, like, like it's a, it's an interface. And yeah. A, it's a, or a the theme. theme I'm using. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called, but I looked around. And yeah. There's one called, uh, I think it's called lion interface or something. You should check out Nil. Nil is awesome. No, okay. I well, although I can't change this one, I, I changed a number of times and it drove me nuts. I also turned off like the side, the overview thing and Command K, Command B. Uh, see, oh, you mean on the right side? Yeah, that that, that gets yeah weird. the right yeah. I don't know. I I'm terrible. See, for the kind of apps I develop, people always might think that I'm organized or that I know how to do keyboard shortcuts and stuff, but I never use <laughs> any keyboard shortcuts minus like copy and paste and things like that. Wow. You, yeah. would, you would die on my keyboard, but yep. <laughs> but, okay. uh, so here's, here's the next one that I figured I, I was trying to look around on my desk for things that I am interested in and might recommend. So, um, canoncat.org, which is a really old, this isn't something that would be useful, but just if you're interested in plain text, it's a, old project i think it was and i've never it's an old computer basically which was an alternative to the mac at one point and it's just interesting in that it's a plain text interface it's a plain text operating system um basically and so if you dig into it it's got a lot of neat ideas and i've been trying to solely apply some of those to folding text and along with it there's the humane interface is a book from i think it's like 2000 which sort of documents a lot of the ideas. And then later there was a system called ENSO, which was sort of like a Quicksilver kind of thing, which um, implements some of, a, a small subset of those ideas. So, and those are all sort of dead projects, but I find them interesting. But uh, kind of grandfathered a lot of the things we're doing now. Um, okay. Uh, <coughs> um, my number two is actually uh, keyboard-based. Very, very keyboard based. It's called Key Remap for MacBook with the number four. And uh, it's, a, it's a very awkward moniker for a pretty cool uh, kernel extension that it'll install itself. But I, I don't advise doing it unless you really have, uh, have some idea what you're doing because it allows you to create, it allows you to change what the keys on your keyboard do. And if you're not keeping track, pretty soon you won't know what's going to happen when you hit a key which is a horrible place to be. But for example, based on um, an article uh, by um, Steve Loesch uh, called The Modern Space Cadet, uh, I turned my caps lock key into a key that if you tap it, it's an escape key, which is great in Vim and vintage mode and... um, and anywhere that I need an escape key, it's just right there at my pinky. I don't have to move my fingers off the home row. Uh, but if you hold it, it actually simulates shift, control, option, and command all at once, which is a combination of modifiers that, as to the best of my knowledge, nobody ever uses anywhere because it's almost impossible to hit with your fingers. So what that becomes then, uh, as Steve called it, was a, a hyper key. And I can assign a single letter... Uh, 
and number uh, shortcuts all over my keyboard to launch different apps. Like, well, I have it so that if I hold down caps lock and hit tab, it, it'll flip back to whatever program was last focused. And if I hit uh, hyper and use Q, that's mail, and W is omnifocus. So Q, W right next to each other. And then E is my editor, which is sublime, and R is my browser. So when I'm developing for the web, I can just flip between those two. And it goes on. Like, everything's very mapped, mostly on my left hand. But it's all possible thanks to Key Remap for MacBook. It's funny. I was just, I spent a good part of, well, I think it was last week, trying to figure out keyboard shortcuts for uh, um, the command mode thing that I'm, I'm working on in folding text. And sort of for my end implementation is kind of boring. I just use a command key, you know, a, a normal keyboard shortcut, but I'd really like it. So you could hold, hold down on a key and hold it sort of to create a mini mode. And I wanted to use the caps lock key. I'd like, Oh, that. And so <laughs> I, would I, I was that. trying different combinations of like tap on the shift key three times. And it was all too slow and a headache. But. There's actually, there's a built in, uh, like the, the hyper key is a hack you have to write into an XML file, but there's a built in one in key remap. Where if you hold down the S and D keys simultaneously, H, J, K, and L become arrow keys in any application. S and D, H, huh. Interesting. So, like, right there on the home row, you get your Vim navigation keys just by putting your two middle fingers down. On, huh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I've gotten used to using that one. I, I, I would probably make a mess of anyone's text file if I were on someone else's computer. <laughs> but, okay, so enough of key remap for macbook it's free by the way it's free and and for the adventurous it's awesome all right well um bottom of my bin i i had no more software recommendations just because i think probably most people know more than i do about that because i don't use many but bread i like to bake bread a lot and i have a wood-fired oven and i love making pizza and for bread recently i think that's probably recently as a year ago but tartine bread is a, a bread book, which I've really liked and had great success with. It's sort of a lot of bread books talk a little bit about the basic process, and then they give you 100 recipes, and you can follow them, and they all work fine. But this one's more interesting in that the first half is just the basic sort of uh, the box that you're in when you're baking bread, all the, all the different uh, variables you have. And I really liked it. So if so, you're at all interested in bread, tartine bread. You, you may have just made bread interesting for me. Uh, <laughs> what, what is what is Okay, so you're talking about like the history of this particular recipe in the first half of the book, or you're talking about the chemistry or? Um, well, it's not, it's not a particular recipe. It's just, it talks about um, the history, sort of how bread was made a hundred years ago or something before high powered yeast and things like that. And before commercial mixers and stuff like that. And then um, how that process worked. And I'd been making bread for a long time and I didn't know a lot of this stuff. And it it made a big difference in my bread. Like I prefer, um, you know, crispy on the outside bread with big kind of holes in it and artisan, whatever stuff you see at the farmer's market that looks fancy. I like mine to look puffy and like that. (laughs) And uh, this showed me how to do it much better than any book had before. And so. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I yeah. 
I may bake my first loaf of bread then. Yep. It's it's fun and it's it's definitely um it's it's more of a, it's it's a project kind of thing where you you know you start a culture of uh, starter and you let that grow for a week or something you know if you're a project kind of person it can be fun so you're it's like homebrew homebrewing but with yeah yeah bread. very related to that I think huh. all right all right I'm gonna check it out all right my third pick is um and I'm sorry to do this but it's the other half of my keyboard setup. Um, <laughs> It's called. It's an app called Aptivate on the App Store, and it's it's reminiscent of an older program called Spark that let you uh, quickly assign key, key keyboard keys to applications for launching. But where uh, Aptivate takes it is keyboard sequences. So, like I I have my my primary browser is Chrome, and that one's on a single hotkey with key remap. But with Aptivate, I can make hitting my hyper B key go into like browser selection mode where whatever I hit next launches a different browser. So S is Safari, F is Firefox, O is nothing because no one should run opera um, <laughs> ever. Oh, bane of my existence right now. Anyway, um, it, you can have as many uh, keys in a row as you want to. You can keep branching out the possibilities, which I don't recommend again, like I never go deeper than two because you couldn't possibly remember too many, but it does extend the available keyboard shortcuts into something that you can remember more easily with mnemonics once you've run out of uh, mnemonically uh, accurate keys. Wow. Did I just blow your mind? Yeah, you did. (laughs) I think you'd like, if you ever had to sit next to me, you'd go mad. I, I spend a lot of time on the mouse. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, I do. See, this is only half of it because my magic trackpad is tricked out. I don't know personally. I I don't know how I remember the stuff I do use. And I guarantee you, I don't remember half the stuff I've programmed. Like as far as keyboards and gestures yeah. and everything. Well, uh, I'm I keep proud cheat that I can sheets. remember to, to do the double click thing to drag. That's, I like that, but <laughs> oh, 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 there's so many. Yeah. Okay. I, you, I probably would go nuts. I get, I get, yeah. um, I get agitated just watching my wife and she's a totally normal computer user. Like she's good, uh, better than average, but like, I'm always, you know, trying to resist saying, you know, you could just, yep. yeah, I, I've learned to keep my mouth shut. You just, you don't tell people that <laughs> people have their own ways of doing things. Okay, well, that is uh, that is uh, all the top three picks, and we have one more sponsor. Um, so I'll get to that right now, and then we'll wrap up. If there are kids in your home, then you probably have a gallery of their artwork, awards, report cards, and other achievements adorning your refrigerator. Eventually, though, that refrigerator is going to run out of room, and then what? You can't just throw it away. Feel guilty no more. A new iPad app for iOS 6, Infinite Refrigerator, is here to save the day. When your kitchen refrigerator has no more space, it's just a tap and a drag to attach a magnet to your child's personalized Infinite Refrigerator, and then use that magnet to hang a digital photo of their latest accomplishment. You can add a title and a description, or even record your child describing the photo in their own voice. Unlike the one in your kitchen, an infinite refrigerator never forgets. 
Click on the calendar hanging next to your fridge and travel through time to see what your fridge looked like last week, last month, or last year. Try out the blue fridge for free and unlock five other playful colors for just $1.99. Visit InfiniteRefrigerator.com to check it out. Okay, well, thanks a lot for being here, Jesse. Uh, you can be found on Twitter. Um, I forgot to I forgot to double check your handle. Is it just Jesse Grosstein? Yep, just Jesse Grosstein. Okay, and then Hogbase Software is where you can find all of your current apps. But Folding Text has its own website at foldingtext.com. Yes, and uh, and that will be expanding. And I found out it runs on Jekyll, which is very cool. Um, and I'll link all the rest of the software picks and everything. Is there anywhere else you want people to find you, read you, know about you? Um, nope. That's pretty good. I covered all the bases. You did. That's it. All right. And I'm TT Scoff on Twitter and app.net and just about everywhere. And you can read me at uh, brettterpstra.com. All right. And that's episode 24. Thanks for being here, Jesse. And we'll see everybody next week. <laughs> <laughs>